frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer again with you. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Do you know your nostrils flare out like little wings when you're mad? It's kind of cute. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Film Church Radio. We have a very special episode for you today. My name is Brandon Ray Selman. Sitting next to me is the great, the one and only, Mr. Lewis Walker. Wow, quite an introduction. Thank you very much. <laughs> and today we have with us a very special guest, the one and only, Zach. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> Hopefully in the future, not so special, just a reoccurring Recurring, recurring yeah. character. Exactly. That's it. I'd like to be the neighbor who just sort of bursts in the door. You know. Well, actually, yeah, <laughs> the Kramer. Yeah. <laughs> so Zach, welcome to the pod. Thank, thank you, you for being a part of it. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, last time me and Brennan did this, we talked a little bit about kind of where we come from in terms of film, like what we like, like and stuff like that. So just tell us a little bit about your film going past where does it all begin oh well it all begins probably in like 1999 2000 uh i mean my parents were sort of film goers um my mom took me to see movies that i probably shouldn't have been seeing when i was like 10 11 years old uh big lebowski and uh, there's something about mary uh but like my parents were cohen brothers fans they were robert altman fans so i sort of had that kind of uh, embedded into me, I think. Um, but uh, in the early 2000s, we, uh, I found access to the Independent Film Channel, uh, and I just watched it constantly. And, and in watching that, I kind of just got sucked into this world of movies. And I, I think, like, I was kind of getting into it in, like, 99. I think I remember, like, The Sixth Sense being um, one of the first movies that kind of made me recognize like filmmaking i guess um, yeah. uh, before that i'd been kind of a uh, i had like a tim burton was my favorite director when i was a little kid you know um but uh oddly enough south park was actually kind of a big influence on me in becoming a interested in film because uh i was i when i was a, a kid i was allowed to watch things that i weren't really kid appropriate. Yeah. I started watching South Park when I was like 10. And um, I remember reading that the creators of the show, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, went to film school. And that was like my first, like, there was something called film school. And that was kind of my first, like, opening my eyes into, like, oh, people study movies and stuff like that. So it sort of began there. And um, it, it's kind of, I don't know if you'd say I've gone like downhill ever since or up, I don't know. I've, I've gotten obsessed, you know, yeah. in, in, a, in ways that are hard to explain, uh, collecting DVDs and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, uh, and I've gone through ebbs and flows, like where I was like going to the theater all the time and periods where I wasn't seeing a lot of new movies and periods where I was only watching old movies, stuff like that. So Cool. But well, you cool. always find yourself coming back to the synagogue of cinema. Yeah. I mean, yeah. eventually, yeah, you do. 
yeah. it's hard not to. Sweet. Yeah. Well, for those, for everyone that's listening, that this could be the first time you're tuning in, um, just a little bit about the pod. So we are Film Church Radio. We're going to sit here and talk about a specific movie um, and treat cinema as a religion. Treat it yeah. as the, the thing that kind of keeps us going, um, the communal feel of watching a film, talking about a film, um, sharing ideas and, you know, um, all that kind of stuff together um, is what we're all about um, right here. So um, thank you for tuning in. Yeah, um, thank you guys. And let's let's jump into the movie. Yeah. So today we watched Play Misty for Me from 1971, directed by Clint Eastwood, his directorial debut. Yes, I, I remember you saying that you were like, interested in director's first film yeah yeah you're very right about that yeah and um this was uh interesting now i've i haven't seen all of clint eastwood's movies and they're kind of hit or miss for me which i feel like um they are for a lot of people but um this was this was interesting. It was him, it was very much him trying to prove himself as a director. I feel like it because it had this it had so many filmy kind of things about it yeah. um, that were beautiful cinematic things, and then um, very like Hitchcocky things about <laughs> it, um, and. I mean, he had to have been a huge star already by then. Yes. So I'm sure that everybody just went to see this movie in droves. I, I don't know. I don't know the yeah. history on this movie. We're doing something unique today where we actually just watched the movie and we're um, recording this podcast right after viewing it. So we haven't done any research on the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll probably do a little bit of research while we're talking about it. But yeah. this is just coming from... You know, just watching the movie, I feel like a lot of people probably went to see this movie when it first came out and were just like, oh, my God, Clint Eastwood. Yeah. He's amazing. He's yeah. a director now and he's brilliant. But, you know, and like he he, he is brilliant, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, some of his movies are brilliant, I think. Yeah. But this movie. Um, it was going to do well, no matter what he did i think you know but because he did like there's the very specific like hitchcock there's like the night there's like lots yeah. of hitchcock knife stabbing going <laughs> yeah, on there is and this yeah. is 11 years after psycho came out and he even does that like hand on the curtain yeah <laughs> and yeah. it's just like i'm sure that i don't know i mean hitchcock was a big thing back then so I, i'm sure everybody got that reference and yeah. they were just like look at him referencing Hitchcock. He's yeah. a genius. Like, which is like, okay, it's not really, he's not a genius for doing that. But, um, but yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm sure he was a very lovable celebrity and, uh, bankable, bankable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was going to do well either way. Just for me personally, I did enjoy the movie a lot. Um, I don't know. It's kind of, uh, it was, I just love seventies movies in general. Mm -hmm. And this is a very, very seventies movie. Yeah. Even though it's like early seventies, like the font of the title sequence in the beginning. <laughs> it was very Hanna Barbera to me. 
<laughs> yeah. I felt like it was going to be a very kind of like, you know, the 70s, 80s cartoons. I was like, what are we getting into? <laughs> yeah, the, I, 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 uh, I like the, like, uh, the overall look of the movie. Uh, the font of the titles yeah. actually is probably one of the most incongruous things like, with the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, see, and, I, I don't know. It's like, for some reason, I like stuff like that, I guess, coming from a design perspective. Because yeah. it's like, as long as you commit to something, yeah, like, I, I'm like, I right, make cool. committed. I, lime yeah, I mean, green. It, yeah, lime green. It, I mean, <laughs> but that was very like Tarantino esque to me, which yeah. is, like I guess maybe like lots of '70s movies did t- yeah. weird titles like that, and that's why he does his. But he, but Tarantino does like the same. He has the same kind of font usually on all of his movies, but yeah. it's all kind of the same kind mm-hmm. of '70s feel. But um, I guess like I have maybe a nostalgia for. 70s title sequences so i'm like cool every time i see something like that um yeah before we jump into the film itself i just i know that last time we kind of talked if we'd heard about this film before like where we came like upon it um so it's like this was kind of one of your um picks i guess so (laughs) like how did you come across play misty for me or was it just uh okay it's a very bizarre story. Well, I don't know if it's very mm. bizarre, but I, I, I maybe it's bizarre that I remember it. Uh, I uh, this is back when I was in college, and I was I don't know, you know, twenty years old, something like that. Mm-hmm. I had a an acquaintance in a one of these one of these large auditorium style classrooms, you know, where there's like a hundred people in the class. Yeah, and I had one guy that I sat with that we would chit chat we never saw each other out of class or anything like that and one day he just told me he's like we would talk about movies and he's like yeah. my my me and my roommate watched play misty for me and i was like what what is that yeah. it's clint eastwood's director first movie clint eastwood director oh okay that's it that was like the first but then like two weeks later a friend of mine was doing pub trivia and he snuck off to the bathroom and he knew that I was like into movies, so he texts me, "Do you know what the first movie Clint Eastwood directed was?" Because they that was the question, and he yeah. snuck off to the bathroom because nobody in his team knew. And I was I just learned this two yeah. weeks ago. Somebody told me. So uh, the title has stuck with me ever since then. And that's like ten years ago, maybe mm-hmm. more. Um, uh, I bought it at random uh, when I I don't know I saw it on you know, on sale and was just buying a couple of movies. I'm like, yeah, I'll get that. I've been wanting to see it. And uh, my mom mentioned it uh, earlier this year because uh, the secondary lead of this film, uh, Jessica Walters, mm-hmm. is that right? Jessica Walters passed away. The late Jessica Walters. Walter. Uh, Walter. Jessica Walter died. Um, and I uh, shared uh, an obituary on Facebook, and my mom says, yeah, I remember her from Play Misty for me. So it was kind of like fresh in my mind this year uh, as a result of that. I've just kind of been meaning to see it ever since. Yeah. I'm a fan of uh, Clint Eastwood's movies, the movies that he's directed. Um, I, there's some recency bias in terms of what I've seen, uh, so it was nice to go all the way back to 1971 to I guess far back in his directorial filmography as we could go. Yeah. What about you, Brennan? I have never heard of this movie. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, Clint Eastwood is just one of those people where, um, like, I love the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. It's a great, great movie. Um, that 
obviously he didn't direct it, but he's he stars in the movie. Um, and you know, I I don't know where I first was introduced to Clint Eastwood. Um, I feel like he's just one of those people that was just always around yeah. in movies and 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 the stuff he directed. Like people in my family were always talking about him, mm-hmm. um, and. So I have no idea what the first Clint Eastwood movie I saw was, but he's just one of those people where, I guess because of his movies are hit hit and miss for me, um, I just have never been like, oh, I need to go and watch every Clint Eastwood movie that he's yeah. made. You know, um, I'm trying to think of some of the recent ones I've seen. There was the one that he did that was the that was on the train. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that came out while I was working at studio movie grill the fifteen seventeen. yeah that one the fit yeah the 1517 to paris where he casts the yeah. actual yeah. guys the actual veterans who were involved in the the whole story yeah and for obvious reasons the acting was really bad because they weren't actors <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i mean it was kind of cool it was like yeah. i mean he's like reached this level where he can just do whatever he wants and it's like it's a no one else would ever give money to like put actual veterans in a movie no. to play something that they did in real life, you know. So it's it's kind of cool that he can do that. Um, Sully was a really good movie. Um, oh, I forget that he directed movie. that. Yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking about that, and and that movie was solid. Um, yeah, and just like random, like it just it's kind of like his movies are just random. Yeah, you know? um, yeah. But um, I'm just looking at his recent movies, like American Sniper. Um, J. Edgar, I've seen Gran Torino. I've never watched it. It yeah. it was out when I was working at the theater as well. When I first started working at a theater, and I just never saw it, just because it all it because of the audience that went to see it when yeah. I was working at the theater. <laughs> we're always like, "This movie is so good." And I'm like, "If you think this movie is good, I probably don't want to watch it." Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. Um. But yeah, it's like it was mostly just old like racist white guys. <laughs> yeah. that were and like, it, I, wow! I remember going to a theater. I don't remember what I was going to see, but it was at the same time that Flags of Our Fathers was in theaters, and uh, there were you know two old people in line ahead of, in, ahead of me, and uh, I just remember the guy going two tickets, two senior tickets for the movie with the soldiers in them. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah now like now that i think about it i'm like trying to figure out where i first like saw clint eastwood and like i, I think it's one of those names that you just know before <laughs> yeah. you know exactly. yeah. yeah it's like it's like synonymous with cinema at this point it's yeah, yeah. he is he's been around for yeah. so long and that name an is and, like who else could pull off like clint eastwood as a name like there's only one when you know before you're talking about like where did i you know what was my history with film and before i think i even knew that i was interested in film i used to watch the critic uh, with uh john lovitz and that's probably where i first became aware of clint eastwood as a persona because there were so many movie parodies in that and there were a lot of parodies of clint eastwood uh I guess that show was from the early '90s, so it was kind of making fun of things that he did in the '80s. Yeah. Uh, um, but 
he was a caricatured on that show a lot before I ever, I think, was even aware of what they were making fun of, you know? Yeah. But the first Clint Eastwood movie I, I saw was Space Cowboys. Okay, cool. <laughs> my, this, saw that with my parents in theaters. This um, Play Misty for me was actually the first Eastwood film that I saw. Wow. Um, so before I... I told you guys this earlier before I went to university my I went to study film and my mom and dad were like okay before you go we're gonna pick some films for you mm-hmm. that we think you need to watch before you go to film school so uh play misty for me was on there <laughs> so was misery we watched mm-hmm. elephant man um which looking back at it, I'm like man these are dark films you know like <laughs> yeah. not singing in the rain like nothing like that. It was, <laughs> yeah. you know, like these really. Do you think that was your parents trying to be like, look, if you're going to get into film, it's going to be dark. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, it's funny that the misery and this were one of them because I was thinking of misery. Yeah, especially this. in the final third. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that thought crossed my mind as well. It was very. Maybe we watched this first, and my mom was like, "Oh, misery." I don't know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I watched this. It must have been like two thousand and. Like eleven, mm-hmm. maybe. So like ten years plus ago. Um, the only thing I could remember before we watched it was his apartment, and mm. just mm-hmm. I, and, and then <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I was like, ah, it's the fact that he's got those weird cobbles in he's the middle like of a, his yeah, front he's got room, a, like yeah. a lagoon in the middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to like up yeah. across rocks to <laughs> so, get across. It's like his front door. Yeah, yeah, but I couldn't remember much else about it, which. It's kind of why I wanted to watch it today. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to revisit this. I want to see. So that was how long ago? Like 10, 11 years. Okay. Yeah. And so now you've had like this whole like yeah journey of film watching. And mm-hmm. now you're like brought back to this point. Yeah. What'd you think? So Okay. So first, like just from like instant reaction to it was... Um, it does it wastes no time like there is not even that slightest hint of like that is not the girl at the bar do you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. not like mm-hmm. who could it be it's like hey it's me <laughs> yeah like yeah. from the first instant you're like Let's okay cool do it yeah exactly and it's like okay i guess this is where we're going and at that point i was like where are we going to spend the next 90 minutes of this movie? <laughs> yeah. Because I thought that that would be like the hook is you'll find out halfway through and then right. that's when it starts to escalate right um i would I, I mean, I think it moves really quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's boring at all. I think the characters are very one-dimensional. Yeah. There's not much to anybody. They're yeah. just like... I'm a man, cli- yeah. you're a woman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm a police officer, so I'm going to be dry, but yeah. really like you, mm-hmm. kind of. You know, I'm a public it, servant. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know... Um, Clint Eastwood just plays a guy who is obsessed with sex. Um, he talks about it to every character all the time. He's like, hey, Everybody you had roommates. I slept with them. Sorry. You should get over that. <laughs> you were to blame too because you had roommates. Which I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, what did you think? Um, you know, it's... It... There's this weird genre that I like. I want to dive deeper into, and yeah. I, I don't know what to call it. They they name it in the show Love, where there there's like um, 
it's a show on Netflix um, that the Judd Apatow, Apatow yeah. produced. And we've talked about that show before. Yeah. And they do like the parody, the song parodies where okay. they like make songs up <laughs> yeah. from movies and stuff. But there's like this genre that they name and it's in it. And I, I've like gone back into the show to try to find it. Cause when I heard that, when I heard them talk about it, I'm like, I know what they're talking about. Yeah. And I should have written it down, but I'm going to have to like watch the whole show again to, to figure out what it is. But it's like this genre of like romance horror. Yeah. Where it's like the draw is that it's like that it is a romance, but yeah. it is also a horror. But it's not a true romance, like a rom com, and yeah. it's not a true horror yeah. either. Um, so, like, uh, what's the Glenn Close movie? Uh, uh, Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction. Like, yeah, that like the psycho, so like sexual, yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, like adult thriller exactly yeah yeah um so um and i said adult thriller in inverted commas (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but it's like it's i want to find all of these movies that kind of like exist in this category and like watch all of them and compare them and stuff and And don't uh, exist anymore like there's not really this kind of well they do filmmaking i I there there's been a, a few there was one that had um they do still exist, surprisingly, um, but but not as like they're not always super popular, and they I don't think they've ever been super popular. Yeah. There's there's always some kind of draw. It's got to have like a big name actor or director or something like that. I mean, obviously this one was Clint Eastwood, but um, there was oh well, this isn't very recent, but the movie Obsessed from 2009 with Beyonce. It's kind of the same like romance where I don't know if y'all have heard of that, but I haven't. Um, there's like weird movies that I know about from working in the movie theater. I swear that's the only reason why, but Idris Elba and Beyonce. Um, I haven't even seen that poster. <laughs> it's from that, 2009. That so. seems so. Wow. Um, and so, I forgot uh, that Idris Elba was even the the actor in it. So are we sort of like thinking of like the erotic thriller? Is that kind of yeah, thriller? yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. That would be a good thing yeah. to call it. Um, yeah, I've been trying to figure out what like what is the name of this genre. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so yeah, I mean like um, this is exactly the kind of film that I've been I've been wanting to watch more of, just to kind of dissect. Yeah. It as a genre and. Um, yeah, what's interesting is that it's um, it's the kind of movie that even watching it, what has it been, 50 years mm. since yeah. it came out, yeah. um, you can kind of, at least for me, like I can, I can like hear the audience, even though like it's just three of us sitting and watching it. Like yeah. there's certain moments in the movie where I, I, I hear the audience reacting. Yeah. Like I can just imagine people watching this in 1971 and reacting to certain moments. And maybe it's because I've spent so much time in movie theaters watching audience react to things. Yeah. But um, it, it's a fun, it was a fun movie. It was a really fun movie. Yeah. And like the, the, the climax of the movie when um, she is... Uh, when they finally have their fight, when Clint Eastwood and, um, what's her name? Um, Evelyn. Yeah. Jessica Evelyn, Walter. Jessica Walter. 
um, who was awesome in the movie, by the way. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Um, yeah, when they're having their fight, the you know at, at the end, and he like you think that he's gonna stab her, you think that yeah. like he like he's gonna murder her or something, but he just punches her in the face. <laughs> She yeah. just punches yeah. her in the yeah. face, and that's what kills her. And she flips backwards over yeah. the, she well, she breaks through a window, flips backwards over the balcony, and then falls off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I can just hear people yeah. in the audience waiting for that moment. And when she gets punched in the face, they're like, "Woo!" Yeah, you know. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, it's obviously this was made fifty years ago, but it's moments like that where you, it's interesting. It's like. building up to a moment where you can get an audience to clap for a man to punch a woman in the face is like yeah. is pretty interesting yeah because like, the whole way through that fight sequence i was like do something man like come on like because i know she had a knife and i know that she was like popping out and like it was kind of mm-hmm. but he was just like kind of sheltering herself and then when like he threw that punch i was like here we go and then i was like oh that's I what guess did not. Yeah, yeah, like, like just that one punch, and that's all it takes. Yeah, um, he, that's what. He, that's just. That, this is gonna sound really terrible, but uh, never mind. I'm not even gonna say it now. <laughs> I missed the moment. <laughs> so Zach, what did you think? Uh, I, I I really liked it. Um, uh, I mean, I have to believe that this was a popular film. I mean, 1971. This is uh, Clint Eastwood was in three movies that year. Okay. This, The Beguiled, and Dirty Harry. And I don't know where Dirty Harry went. What a ran. year. 71. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, I was wondering about that because there's there's a line in the movie where he's like, you're some cop or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like... And I don't know the release schedule. I don't know what came out first or when. And uh, and I don't know exactly where it ranks, but I know uh, Dirty Harry, I'm pretty sure, was in the top 10 highest grossing movies of that year. I don't know where. Yeah. Um, so he's a popular person. You know, he's a popular movie figure. He doesn't need to play, at least in 1971, a character. Like it, yeah. he is allowed to be a character where the characters are paper thin. You yeah. know, he's just a DJ who who loves sex because it, it's very. It is. It is. I think it's always been weird to me because Clint Eastwood has always been an old man to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as as far as I'm concerned, he's been an old man as long as I've been alive. Yeah. Um. And uh, so it's weird to think of him as a sex symbol, but I presume that he was. I mean, he spent a lot, quite a lot of time just wandering around without his shirt off. Yes. And, and like you were saying, like the audience reaction, like it must have been included to be like, we need to tick that box for, you know, your fans. Right. Kind of thing. And, but, but I also think what's interesting is you know, I'm, I'm trying to think because I, I, at least with the like the stuff from the seventies, I sort of I lose track of what movies Clint Eastwood d- directed and which ones he yeah. didn't. Like once yeah. the the seventies hit, um, but I like what I thought was interesting was you have this somewhat maybe not extended, but you've got this moment where he because Clint Eastwood, as far as I know, is a is a jazz fan, so you've got this like just a scene at the Monterey jazz festival of them recording. And it's just like, yeah, just letting the musicians have their moment and play. Uh, You could, you can tell that like, they probably got to this point. They were like, this is just under 90 minutes. Oh yeah. How can we bulk this up (laughs) so that it's a 90 minute plus movie? And there's like those, 
I mean, especially the extended um, nature hike. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, which I love. You know, talking about this movie as a, like an erotic thriller, it's yeah. like it's not very erotic, but that sequence is, I guess, as close to eroticism as you get. Yeah, um, it's so erotic. Which, all, but it, it actually felt very tame for something yeah. from 1971 yeah, exactly. in the in the late 60s, early 70s is sort of where I expect. Um, maybe the Woodstock influence to kind of be more prevalent yeah. in, in film. But uh, uh, it, there were times at, where it felt like the uh, like Carmel by the Sea Chamber of Commerce tourism well, community. Yeah. I know he was the mayor of Carmel. Yeah, I was going to say. So me and, me and my wife for a while toyed with the idea of getting married in Carmel. Okay. So we kind of traveled down there. We spent a little bit of time like uh-huh. around there. And it is beautiful. Yeah. It is so great. And like we ate at um, a restaurant he once owned and stuff like that. Um, so as soon as it was like, oh, they're in Carmel, I was like, yeah. get ready. Uh, because it's going to be, it's not going to leave the main street and like the houses on the beach. Right. Wait, so I don't know this story. So he was the mayor? Yeah, of, of this small Clint town. Mm-hmm. Was of, the of, mayor. Yes. Not when this film was made. I think yeah. it was in like the mid 80s. But that's okay, where he so lived. After. Okay. That's where he lived. Yeah. So, so he he probably had lived there for a while, and he's like, "We need to make a movie here. Probably, I'm direct a movie. I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I can't imagine. Sorry, to, I can't imagine yeah. that the budget was very big. Like when I was yeah. watching it, I was like, this seems very kind of like small crew, like just shooting on location.' I think there was one scene where he was walking down the street like early on with his um, ex girlfriend, and I think someone like literally turns and like looks at him, uh-huh. and it's like, oh my god, you know. And it's yeah. you can just tell that it was just very. Like the bu- the budget probably went on the the glass being shattered and you know the mm-hmm. the red paint <laughs> um, that was well, used around. Do you around, think that but... was his real house that he shot in then? Um, I, I when I watched it, I was like, who would have chose this house? Because this like this it, guy has a nightmare. This, this guy to film it makes around. pretty good money for. A, yeah, exactly. A radio yeah, yeah. But then rocky. again, it is like like falling down. Like there's no roof over the 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 first room you come into. Mm-hmm. There's a lake running through it, like you said. There's like trees in the in the middle of the house. You know, maybe it was just this abandoned house that they kind of moved in on. I mean, I, I like the, the his bedroom, his yeah, sort the, of uh, the the yellow wallpaper wow. of his bedroom and his matching pants. Yeah, at one point, <laughs> and and the the giant poster of a pig. Oh, yeah. That he stands next to for yeah. quite a while. I'm like, are we supposed to draw a resemblance between him and this pig? Or is that just like, just there because it's covering a crack in the wall that they were like, oh, we need to well, cover that up. Yeah, and you know, it wouldn't make sense if the budget is pretty low. Well, you know, one, I, I imagine there are plenty of uh, actors, filmmakers who love it when they don't have to drive very far to get to oh, work. Yeah. You know, yeah. they like filming in their backyard if they can. But, uh, Considering that this was his first, um, his, you know, his directorial debut, it would not surprise me that you know that us uh, financiers might not necessarily have faith in him as a director. Yeah, you're an actor. You know, you mm-hmm. you know don't get too, don't get too big for your britches, sort of thing, and think yeah. that you can be behind the camera too. So I think that there was, uh, you know, probably a lot of restrictions in terms of mm-hmm. or you know the making of the film. Um, He's like, you don't understand. This is going to be the next Citizen Kane. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I don't think he's ever been that pretentious about his directing. You know, like 
he's famous for filming very quickly yeah. you know uh i don't know yeah, how that one take right yeah he's, much. He, he he does one take he films a lot of movie uh, i i can't say uh speak to like his bigger films like his war movies and yeah. i don't know exactly how this would play out on a western but something like this any anytime he's made a, a contemporary film it always seems like i tell you it was filmed in 30 days you know yeah and he's very quick now i don't know what kind of experience he had in the making of this um but he does also seem like a guy who was always kind of paying attention to what his directors were doing it, it, the uh, yeah yeah uh, Unforgiven, I remember, has like a credit thanking uh, Sergio, Le- like a dedication to Sergio Leone and uh, Don Siegel, the director yeah. of Dirty Harry. So I, I think he was probably pretty close with them yeah. in terms of like getting advice on mm-hmm. what you know, what do I do when I'm behind the camera? Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure like being in Carmel, he felt safe, like he knew it, like yeah. he would, he'd be like, okay, we can go and shoot here. I know this location because um, there's some really visually striking images from this film i mean the yeah, one yeah. that like really kind of blew me away was the close-up of them walking on the beach with the waves crashing behind yeah, yeah. and yeah. it was just like it was just a perfect um like image storytelling of what they were going through you yeah. know this like life-changing like totally uncontrollable thing and i was like hey that for a first-time director that's great like that's awesome you know yeah. so yeah there were a lot of very visually like striking shots and cinematic shots. Like it was shot very well. Um, The thing that, that I noticed like early on was like all the long shots where the, they've got like a long lens on the camera and they either zoom, like they're, they're wide and then they zoom close in or they're just like already zoomed in, but you can tell they're very far away to like give this feeling that they're being watched. Or yeah. something like that. I knew that we were going to get like a super zoom into the background and she was going to be there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like- <laughs> and see, there's, there's a lot of shots like that where I feel like it could have so easily been cheesy and to some degree it yeah. was. But I, I don't know if it's because it's Clint Eastwood that it, it just didn't feel as cheesy. I mean, yeah. there's like a shot where he's walking with his girlfriend through the woods and you see her the other girl's hand come in yeah. the side of the shot and reach for them. Yeah. And it's like, that's pretty cheesy. Yeah. But it, it worked. Yeah. You know what I mean? It did. Like, so, um, I think that, um, Jessica Waller was just her eyes at like the acting that she like just the, the kind of, you can see, you could see that she was trying to turn like normal back on, you know, yeah. she would get to that point and she'd be like, I've got to become normal again. And um, she was incredible. Yeah, I she think, was really good. I think Eastwood himself was a little stiff. Yeah. I, I mean, there's the, there's the scene where he meets, I don't know if it's his agent or like someone that's trying to get him um, the oh, next he, radio he, gig. He's tra- yeah, he's trying to, uh, uh, I think he's trying to get hired by, yeah. like a, I got the impression it was like a national or a larger yeah. scale radio station. Yeah, and the camera like pans across like to their mid-conversation and she says, ha <laughs> ha. That was so funny. And I'm like, this man has never told a joke before in his life. That is the least believable thing in this movie that she would find something he said funny. Because all the way through, he's just like, you know, very kind of angry. I just can't imagine him cracking a joke ever. 
<laughs> so he, was... he, I mean, Eastwood is someone who doesn't need to be giving a good performance as long no. as he's in the Eastwood persona. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like what his he's a he's a star more than he's an actor. You know, um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 he's not a funny guy. I couldn't. Uh, yeah. You know, his his jokes sort of end at the empty chair at the Republican National Convention, which <laughs> is not very uh, not very funny. <laughs> there was another shot that <laughs> that really got me. I think it got all of us where uh, he's supposed to be going on a date with his his girlfriend. Right. And he and he and and this crazy woman is in his house and she convinces him to stay and he yeah, and he holds her. Say. And he just has this dead look in his eyes. <laughs> yeah. Like, God damn it. Yeah. This woman. And then it just this is like a slow transition to like this I don't even know if it, it it goes from like this dead look to just like this sad dark look. Yeah. You know, it's like supposed to be later at night, but like that transition to me was so funny. Like I like that's one of those things where it's like I thought it was hilarious. I know you guys thought it was yeah. hilarious, but I'm not, I'm, I'm just, there's, there's certain things where, you know, an audience cheered and then certain yeah. things where you're like, I wonder what they did in this. Moment, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and that's one of them was like, did everyone bust out laughing when he, yeah. <laughs> he just, when it just slowly zooms in on him and he's just dead inside. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think so. It had to have been because, you know, as far as I know, Eastwood's, reputation as a screen star at this point was as this kind of hard ass yeah. right so even if uh you know again i don't know what the order of those releases were but uh something like the beguiled is playing off this idea of tough guy eastwood is injured and he is surrounded by a bunch of like teenage girls basically young women mm. and it's like Oh my god! You know the, yeah. the, the tough yeah. guy surrounded yeah. by these all these doting it, women. Or whatever. It reminds it's, me of uh, the Buster Keaton Stone Face. Yeah, because he was famous for like getting to the into these situations that are just ridiculous, and the audience is laughing because he yeah. just has this stone look on his face. Yeah, right? right. Where it's like, is that the same thing? Like, is that the Clint Eastwood persona? Maybe. Yeah, like, I just don't think he played it very well. I don't, I think that it was meant to be like. As an audience, you were like, he's trapped. But yeah. like, he played it so dead-eyed that you're like, he's just mentally like somewhere else. He's on, yeah. he's in the woods with this ex-girlfriend of his. Like, he, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't want to be there at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, he he slept with her a lot more than I was anticipating. Like, because yeah. I thought that like maybe it'd be like the one time he was like, like this. Like it didn't go anywhere. Yeah, because there's like the he had already broken it off. Yeah, once or twice, and then she shows he he comes home and she's standing there outside his house, and he, and she's and she asks him like if she can come in or something, and he yeah. he's she just wants he, a coke. Yeah, and he's like, you know, I'm really beat, <laughs> and then she just like takes a robe off and she's naked. And he's like, like, yeah, he's like, I was like, he just like puts a robe on. He's like, get in here. (laughs) And 
brings the Snoopy in as well, which I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the embarrassing thing. He doesn't want neighbors to see that outside his house. <laughs> and maybe that's what generates the laugh in the scene. Yeah. I don't know. It's Clint yeah. Eastwood grabbing the giant Snoopy doll. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then he like kisses it at one yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even though he's been wide awake like literally a second before, <laughs> he rolls over and kisses a Snoopy. And then he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is not a beautiful woman. <laughs> Oh man. Have I have either of you seen Every Which Way But Loose? No. no. Is that okay. one of his? He's in it. He didn't direct it. Uh, I I don't I I only know it as uh in parody form from the critic. It okay. but it is a movie uh to the best of my knowledge is from 1978 that pairs uh, Clint Eastwood up with a, an orangutan. I, I want to say it's like a buddy cop movie, like oh, a buddy cop comedy. I've seen maybe uh, like yes. Turner and a precedent oh to Turner and Hooch, but instead of a dog, it's a an orangutan. I remember there being a parody of the uh, in the critic where he the 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 orang it's the sequel, and the orangutan starts kissing him while he's in bed, and he thinks it's his, you know he's like. Oh, I'm going to keep my eyes closed for this because he thinks it's a woman. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know if he kisses the orangutan in every yeah. way but loose. Yeah. But, but uh, like Clint Eastwood, in terms of like him being funny, it's always, it's any t- scenario where he's the straight man. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know, think yeah. him cracking jokes he's not would cracking be. Jokes, yeah, yeah, exactly. If he was in a comedy, you'd be like, oh dear. Yeah. This is not good. But yeah, it's like, it's him as, you know, the exasperated like police officer or something can't we just get the work done you know yeah um what do you guys think to the soundtrack because terrible yeah <laughs> um the so, music choices were very odd i was like what's going on like especially towards yeah. the climax of the movie whenever he shows up and and he sees the dead police officer and it's just like <laughs> <laughs> he's like no more men just two women <laughs> me <laughs> I, I i yeah i didn't i didn't like the music um i will say though it seemed like there was less music than like there were i feel like movies from this era use a lot have a lot more yeah. music than this movie had you think about halloween like you know like yeah. that happens seems to happen every few minutes in halloween yeah and uh but even just like this sort of like that late 60s early 70s like montages with kind of like weird editing and there would be just just some sort of inch poppy jazzy instrumental between scenes and and there is that sort of in this movie but uh, it is a lot less intrusive i think the bigger surprise to me is that the the movie is basically named after a song and i i don't seem to remember the song being featured very prominently in the movie itself i'm surprised that misty was uh not such a recurring theme. I would think that you'd almost build the whole thing yeah. around that, you know, create yeah, like exactly. alterations, you know, alternate, alternate yeah. the theme or something like that. I, I was recently watched, uh, uh, the long goodbye, a Robert Altman movie from 74, I think. And there's a, a tight, a, they wrote a song for the movie. Misty is pr- the, the real song. Misty predates this movie, but they wrote a song for the long goodbye called The Long Goodbye, and it just plays throughout the whole movie. Like, as the Muzak in the grocery store, 
there's like different versions of it on the radio as the score and stuff like that. And so I'm, I was kind of surprised that Misty does not appear as just kind of like the overall theme music of this movie. Yeah, because you think that a, a good composer, like having a go at this, it could start off like very innocuous, like not really be mm-hmm. like anything um, special. But then as the movie continues and it starts to become her theme mm-hmm. it takes it becomes more sinister yeah and you know we've seen that before with um like horror films that seems to happen a lot like yeah. you get like the longer it, the theme <clears throat> happens the more you're like oh god here we go yeah. you know um but the thing i found interesting was that the only non-organic music was the scene in the woods everything yeah. else came from a radio yeah. or from like the live performance yeah exactly it was it was a weird um a weird choice. I don't know. I, I don't know whether, like that one scene was to show like he's actually like, um, trying to think of the right words. Like this is what he wants because mm, it's like mm-hmm. kind of like otherworldly, yeah. kind of thing. Whereas when he first sleeps with, um, I forget her name. Oh my gosh, Jessica Walter. Yes, when he first Evelyn. sleeps with her, Evelyn, mm-hmm. it's very like like muffled and it's kind of like you shouldn't be there it's yeah. like you're just kind of standing there watching it's very awkward i didn't you know whereas in the woods it's more like oh this is like a they're very happy together yeah you know, so yeah yeah it was interesting yeah i um i really liked the i don't know how much of this is just this is just what caramel looks like. This is what yeah. the 70s looked like. But I did love the production design. The use of color is really great. Like mm-hmm. the first time he goes into, uh, what, what's the what's the name of the bar? The anchovy box? The, the oh, s- the, oh my gosh, what was it? It was, was sardines. It the sardine, um, oh my gosh. It was like, oh, oh. Okay, so he goes into this yeah, bar and the like sardine. the uh, <laughs> you know the like Jessica Walter sitting there in the back at the end of the bar in like the she's in green or yellow, but it, it's it's completely different from the rest of the world. Yeah, you know there, yeah. there's a lot of really great color choices with mm-hmm. that with color choices with costumes in relation to yeah. the set that the, the or the you know the I don't know how much of these are actually sets, but these locations, um, uh, pretty much every scene in his apartment, I love the way it looked. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, as an apartment, it's like, what, what, who's living in this place? But yeah. uh, it's all very aesthetically pleasing, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. photographs very well. And uh, um, even this, the uh, when he first recognizes, I guess it's the, it's, he thinks it's his ex-girlfriend, but it's just one of the roommates, I guess. The, yeah. The, the, yeah. He recognizes the green dress. Um, uh, costume choices, I thought, were all really, really, like, just unique, standing yeah. out. Yeah, I feel like the 70s is when modern filmmaking began. Yeah. Because there's something about... Um, and, and it can probably be found earlier than that, but there's something about like the average movie from the seventies that where like the, the camera work and the lighting are done in such a way that just continued on. Mm-hmm. Like, especially the lighting, I feel like, but yeah, I mean, it's like, I guess maybe it's like going to actual locations and less like shooting movies on sets. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And but then still doing the same kind of like 
set lighting that you would do in a studio, but mm-hmm. you're in, you know, you're on a location. Um, yeah, so I, I love any movie from the 70s. I feel like anything that, that comes out of that era, I'm going to get something great out of it. Yeah, it feels very of its time. I think it's like if you wanted to be like, hey, what was the 70s like? This film would be great. You know, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk of free love. There's a lot of like, like awesome jazz music. Um, just like very, it's much, I don't know, much more modern than what had been made like, what, 10 years before? Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy to think like this was the world that was now being projected and was like socially acceptable. Yeah. Um, and I think like it really like gets the time really well. Like, I feel like. That's what the seventies in Carmel was like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Um, there's this quote here from Clint Eastwood. After seventeen years of bouncing my head against the wall, hanging around sets, maybe influencing certain camera setups with my own opinions, watching actors go through all kinds of hell without any help, and working with both good directors and bad ones. I'm at the point where I'm ready to make my own pictures. I stored away all the mistakes I made and saved up all the good things I learned. And now I know enough to control my own projects and get what I want out of actors. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I don't think any of us would say it's a perfect movie. I think that as a debut, it's very assured. Um, I don't, there wasn't a point in it that was like, oh, really? Like that's, that's not kind of, what I would expect, you know, it was very, um, you could tell it was well a hit. Like you could yeah. tell it was like, you know, it, yeah. it was for and the he, mainstream. It was for a, a large audience and yeah. they, like people had a good time watching it. I'm sure. Yeah. And, and there was some really, like, especially I think of the climax, like when he's racing to the house mm-hmm. and the camera's kind of like under the dash, like pointing up at him and it's very choppy. I was like, that's, that's really good filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, by this point, he's lucky that he's, I say lucky, but, you know, he's he's been in the industry as an yeah. actor. Like he said, he's worked with, in his quote, he's worked with good directors, he's worked with bad directors. So he's, he's seen people make, make mistakes. He's yeah. seen the way good directors work. So he sort of knows what, at the very least, probably knows what he shouldn't do. And Eastwood's ego is interesting because he's not pretentious, like I said, in like the... He, like you, you were saying, like this was a hit. Yes, he is a populist filmmaker. Like he wants to make a movie that people are going to go see yeah. and have a good time. They're going to enjoy. Um, he he's not up his own ass in kind of like a an artistic sense. You know, he doesn't think he's like this artiste. He's an entertainer, but there is that ego of like I'm Clint Eastwood. I fuck everybody in this movie. You know, yeah. he, like <laughs> and. Uh, uh, I, you know, sort of saying this earlier, like that Eastwood as a sex symbol is very strange to me. But even it extends into his old man years. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. when this movie started, I was like, he's already old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, he's forty-one uh, in this, or forty in this. Wait, forty-one in this movie? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, he's like he's wow. already. He's well, already, yeah, because he's <laughs> he's yeah. ninety-one now, right? Yeah. yeah. And both and both of the women look early 20s yeah like max you know but uh i mean i 
uh, fairly recently, sometime earlier this year, I watched uh, Bridges Madison, Madison County for the first time, oh, yeah. which is Eastwood directed movie in the nineties, uh, nineteen ninety six, I think, ninety five or ninety six. So he's in his uh, what sixties then, mm-hmm. approximately, and he's the ro- he's a romantic lead, and it's like he's directing and he's starring, yeah, and it's like. Clint takes off his shirt and Meryl Streep swoons. You know, that's like, like uh, there is, there is an ego to a guy who likes, but, and uh, in the mule, he gives himself, he's, he's 80 something and he has two threesomes with much younger women. So there is a, there is an ego. I feel like he's got this publicist that's just a little scared of him still. And he's like, are you sure it's okay to have sex with them? She's like, Sure. Like, <laughs> like, okay, that sounds good, Clint. Like, whatever you say. And he's just like, yeah, I am still this sex symbol from the 70s. Like, yeah. People are still going to go and see it. I'm eager to see. He's going down to Mexico in Cry Macho. Yeah. So I'm very eager to see. Well, the trailer itself, like, we just watched it. And um, there's that weird, like, like touching hands of, like, him and, like, a 40-year-old, uh-huh. like, mother of three. Oh, yeah. And it's so weird. It's like... That's like, what is yeah, happening? She's 40 yeah, forty, and he's fifty years older than her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and he's you know he's got this uh, fourteen, fifteen year old kid at his side, yeah. like who is uh, you know we're we're sort of seeing the the story of a boy becoming a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there may be a trip to the brothel. I don't know. Oh my gosh! You know, yeah, uh, I would not be surprised. Uh, but uh, well, he even punches someone in the face in the trailer, and I'm like, yeah. "You broke your wrist." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Wasn't yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> just like he punches uh, um, Jennifer Walter in this, yeah. Jessica, Jessica Walter. Yeah, I, I'll I'll never live this down that I don't get her name right. But you know, <laughs> she was awesome in the movie. And by the way, yeah. the movie was only nominated for one thing, and it was for a Golden Globe Best mm. Actress. Jessica Walter. Good. Yeah. I think that, I mean, not good that it was only nominated for one, because I think that she deserved But if it was going to be yeah. nominated for anything, like her getting a nomination for, for Best Actress was, yeah, was a good choice. I feel at this time, though, you know, there's a lot of talk about Hitchcock and the fact that he wasn't really, um, like, revered in his time, because um, people just saw it as, like, popcorn entertainment. I mean, even the tagline, like, the scream you hear may be your own. Mm-hmm. It's it's very. I think it's feeding into. I don't think it would have been award contenders. I think it was yeah. like a, a popcorn movie. Yeah. yeah. That like you know, young people that were dating were like, hey, let's go and see this movie. Yeah. Like the tagline is, you know, you're gonna scream. Like that's the point. So um, the fact that she got nominated is, I think, great credit to her because she from from the start, you know, she was. Like, or you yeah. could pay attention to kind of thing. Yeah, she's the she's the, the true standout of the movie. Yeah. Was anyone surprised that she was the roommate? Uh, I was a little surprised. I, I I thought, well, I heard someone say that Evelyn, say Evelyn as a roommate earlier. Mm. But then the name wasn't Evelyn. Yeah. So then I was like, confused. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what happened. So there. I, I never like to try and like outpace the movie. I, yeah. I'm never trying to like outsmart it or, or you know figure things out. I'm trying to just kind of let it go. But I, I, I it occurred to me right before the reveal. Okay. So it did it, not something that that crossed my mind yeah. before it was revealed but 
right before it was revealed, I was like, oh shit, it's gonna she's yeah. Annabelle, isn't she? See, this is the problem. Yeah. I think like my analytical brain for that kind of stuff mm. is that like as soon as they were at that jazz concert and the two roommates were like, Hey, we're gonna go and meet this other roommate, mm. I was like, Why is this in here? Like this film <laughs> is so tight, there's nothing in it that mm-hmm. like apart from her friend, the like ex girlfriend's friend that's in it for like a minute that he's like really homophobic to and then you never see him again. Yeah. There's nothing in that movie that is um that could be cut. So I was like, why? And then that's when it that's when it I was like of course she's going to be the roommate. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I guess I'm just slow. I don't know. I'm never, you know, I'm not a very plotty person. Like, I, yeah. I'm never thinking of plot. I'm always kind of like, uh, uh, just like sucking in the picture and the, and the sound. So yeah. like, well, I, I mean, it's like, and, it's, it's one of those things too, where like, I kind of do both. Like sometimes yeah. I'll get ahead of it. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. But when things like that do happen, I'm not, I'm, delightfully surprised i guess yeah, i'm yeah. not like i'm not like that came out of nowhere you yeah, know? yeah it's more yeah. just like i think that um I don't, I, it must come from somewhere as a kid because i can remember when phantom menace came out yeah and the poster of anakin like looking down the shadow is vader yeah. behind him like i wrote before i saw the film i wrote a novelization based on that poster because i was <laughs> like i know what's going to happen i'm going to guess it this is what's going to happen and it was wrong because of course it was like if I'd come up with like trade federation stuff, then I would have been like a very weird, what like <laughs> eight year old. Yeah, um, I bet that novel was better than the movie. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't um, know. That's a good movie. Yeah. I'll defend it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what it is. Like I've always like I'm always trying to figure out where the pieces are going to connect. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's like why I have a hard time with people like David Lynch, is mm, because mm-hmm. he's not linear like that it's not yeah. like everything's going to be tied up at the end in a bow yeah. you know yeah and i really like that so you're, what you're saying is the next time i'm on the show we're watching yeah. a david lynch movie. i watched blue velvet quite recently <laughs> so yeah oh, well, we'll watch the twin peaks movie okay okay <laughs> <laughs> but uh um well uh, you know weird al was able to figure out the plot of the phantom menace just by like visiting <laughs> websites before the movie came wow out. Yeah. wow I figured it all out and wrote a song about it, but um, <laughs> a genius. I well, mean, you know, I mean, everybody it, knew Vader was going to be or Anakin yeah, would be Vader yeah. someday later. I, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I like you say, it's like even when I do kind of, I don't, I don't like the term outsmart the movie, but that's like what I'm when I if I if it occurs to me like where it's going, yeah. what's going to happen you know beforehand i think that like you said uh brandon it's sort of like it's like a pleasant surprise especially if i like like that idea you yeah. know what i mean yeah. uh, you know um if it's something where it's like oh no is this where this is gonna go or yeah. it's like are they gonna go there are they gonna go there? you know yeah. it, it kind of depends on how you feel about the decision what whether yeah. or not you figured it out is sort of irrelevant to what you actually do you like that choice or not yeah yeah well, in the in in the moment like that one where where it, the roommate turns out to be her and she walks in from the shadow carrying mm-hmm. the tray of tea, I guess it is. Yeah. Um. Like, I'm delightfully su- like su- surprised because in my mind I hear the audience going, "Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So like, I'm internally doing that. 
Um, but yeah. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> um, just seeing if there's any other cool trivia about this movie. But, um, yeah, it was and good. It's, I mean, it's, uh, Lewis's grandmother's favorite film. Well, yeah, I can, I mean, I, I can remember, like I said to you guys earlier, she, you know, um, watched a lot of kind of horror films on her own, not quite horror, but like thrillers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I don't know why this stuck with me that she was one that she like watched, I guess. And, uh, yeah, every time I watch him, just like, man, living on your own, like, especially like, and if it had been a little bit secluded and watching this film would be like creepy. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's kind of the whole point is like they're in the house in the middle of nowhere, you know? Yeah, I mean, and it's like two years after the Manson murders. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like that yeah, had to be in people's yeah, exactly. Everyone's like yeah. subconscious. I'm yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, that didn't even occur. I, I mean, it just makes me glad I'm not dating. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, like I don't know. There's like this scene of her taking the the key and making a copy of oh the key. And that, was the cr- that was the you know? scariest thing yeah. in the film. It's just like, oh my god. Aren't you so glad you're not a sexy disc jockey that everybody yes. wants? Who plays smooth jazz. Yeah. Well, I would like his car, though. He had a very nice car. He had nice a very car. cool car. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, you know, as uh, what's interesting, too, is like, the, there's a lot of, like, scary moments in this movie that are not played as scary moments. Like the making of the key, the duplicate of the key is, I don't know, the, the way it's it's not filmed or presented as a horror moment, but it's uh, it, it's kind of that just sort of straightforward way of, of, yeah, she's going out and she's making a copy of yeah. this key and then hiding it and, you know, making sure it works yeah. and hiding it. And uh, it's it's like it makes that feel uh I think it just makes it feel more real by not yeah. like playing it like a horror movie would. Yeah. Even you know? her note was like, Hey, I took your keys. Y- yeah. And it was, <laughs> you know, before, you know, you would have thought of any other film, he'd be like, where are my keys? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, it was like, Hey, I took your keys. Yeah. There's no kind of like, oh, I'm going to leave and where's my car? Where are my yeah, keys? Exactly. You know, there's yeah. not kind of like, uh, what is this? Like his cleaning lady just like finds the note. Right? Yeah, is she okay? Like, where did we end How with that? How is she alive? I don't know. She got slashed she got, to ribbons. Yeah. And, and then, then the one thing like... she said... <laughs> the one thing, I mean, talk about one-note characters. She literally, on her dying breath, is, I'm not cleaning this up. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like, how are you not dead? Yeah. You just got... Um, you just got baited. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But... As soon as she was introduced, I was like, "I'm sorry, I can tell you're gonna die. Like, there's no, there's no one else is gonna die. Yeah. It's gonna be you." Yeah. <sighs> Man. Uh, but she didn't die. She, I mean, didn't she? <laughs> I don't know. Like they were talking like later as if she had died. Oh, they were. I don't know I if it was like an exact line, but I'm sure, like, yeah, she's dead. There's, like after what happened to, like the housekeeper i don't know if she had a like an official name yeah um but yeah i just you know i thought she was dead and then she spoke and i was like oh, maybe she's not and then no one ever was like you know not even she's she's fine yeah that, that's all it would have taken two words but nothing so she lived a very happy life 
let's say, and recovered well and um yeah. Got a better job. Yeah, exactly. Stop cleaning his house. You know. Well, I'm curious uh uh how much of this um to what extent the, the the film has its roots in reality? Uh, because the writer of the movie, uh, Joe Hames, was a uh, I guess a friend of, of Clint Eastwood's. They were sort of both uh, up and coming at the same time. Yeah. And uh, um, she based the character off of uh, someone she knew, the uh, the uh, Jessica Walter character. Wow. So. But, I mean, this kind of thing, I'm not surprised. I mean, we've talked about Misery already. Yeah. And, like, when you get... I'm sure for Clint this was starting to play on his mind a little bit, is that mm-hmm. now he was becoming a big superstar. Yeah. And the and people were starting to become, for lack of a better word, slightly obsessed with him. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there will have been people that might have tried to, like, track him down or, like, meet him by accident. Um right. And you know, start that relationship. It's the same, like with Stephen King, like he has a right, like a right. fan that's obsessed with him that will literally keep him like chained to the bed. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess that's something that hasn't gone away. Yeah. You, you, yeah. The, uh, uh, Stan culture. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, of today. It stands. Yeah. What? That's like what hardcore fans are called now. Oh. I just think of the Eminem song Stan. Yeah, I don't, a, is that where it comes uh, from? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, cool. do you know the Eminem song Stan? I don't think so. Okay, Eminem, some twenty years Eminem ago. Eminem who? Eminem, uh, Marshall <laughs> Mathers wrote a song called Stan, which was inspired by fan mail, uh, oh, yeah. obsessive fan mail. So the premise of the song is an uh, an obsessed fan uh, named Stan who gotcha. is writing him letters. Um, and Stan has become a term for kind of like super fans, right. people who that's, are obsessed with. So that's messed up. Like, I don't know. Yeah, what, oh, it's like, very bizarre yeah. that, that, you know, yeah, that, that's uh, the character they're like, hey, I'm going to adopt his <laughs> mantra. Um, cause at the end of the song, he literally drives, like he drinks like himself to the point where he drives him and his girlfriend off a bridge. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, because I, Eminem's not returning his letters. <laughs> I I don't know the etymology of like the the current usage, but I assume that at a certain point it was used like yeah. derisively, and then it became embraced. Yeah, or it just became such a part of the lexicon that it was unavoidable. And yeah. and and now I I mean you know I don't know do thirteen year olds who call themselves stands know no, the yeah. origin of the word? Probably not. But I mean, that's basically the, the character that yeah. uh, that she is. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a. So I know that we've talked about misery a lot. If you were given the chance to watch, I know that we've just watched it, so it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. But if you could watch Play Misty for Me or Misery, which one would you choose? I would watch Misery. Never seen Misery. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'll add it to the list. <laughs> I would choose Misery too. Mi- misery is. Uh, what you know rob reiner has like a weird period where he's a good director and yeah. then it kind of falls off um and that's a good film and Bar- barry sonnenfeld was the cinematographer. i want to say that was might have been the last film he was the dp of before he started directing i can't remember but um it, that is a movie that looks great like it's it, it's uh just a wonderful 
film in, in its construction and um it seems like it does more with i would i guess it's basically three characters it's the author the her and like the sheriff yeah who's yeah. who's who's like reading the books and oh trying to God. figure it you know yeah. figure it out um I mean, there's other characters, but those are kind of like the... I yeah. feel like it does more with those three. Those three characters feel more like alive than yeah. any of the characters in this movie. Agree. Yeah. Um, and it it's kind of like... Uh, I, I don't know. I guess... I guess... I, I hesitate to, to describe either of these films as realistic, but I, I like the... I don't think there's anything realistic about Misery. It's incredibly stylized. Yeah. Even just in its premise of the kidnapping and the, the sort of you know mutilation that she does to him, um, that is is just entertaining to watch versus yeah. this, which is it's not not that it's realistic, but it's far less stylized. It's maybe a little bit you know I don't know yeah. if, if a, a jazz disc jockey getting laid so much is I don't know I don't know you know. <laughs> Uh, but um, I, I I definitely prefer Misery over this. I feel like if you were to watch Misery and then it was on TV a few days later, I don't know if I would sit down and watch it again. Whereas I feel like, I mean, in terms of like because I I knew what was coming. Yeah. Like I would be like, okay, I've just seen this. Like it's still fresh in my memory. Like yep. everything is ingrained into my brain. Yeah. Whereas for Play Misty for me, I think that it's one of those films that you could easily watch like a lot and mm-hmm. it not lose anything because it's very surface level anyway it's yeah. very kind of there front and center it's like hey she's obsessive mm. he's in love with somebody else he's trying to break away how's it gonna end mm-hmm. like you know how it's gonna end uh, so i don't think um there's much to it under the surface it's not like trying to tell you know anything yeah. else than yeah. you know what it tells yeah and slightly being artistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. There's touches there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you should watch Misery. Yeah. It's a good movie. I will watch it. Yeah. yeah. Came out in 1990, the year I was born. So. Yeah, so I, I, that probably was the last film Barry Sonnenfeld shot before he became a director. Because I think mm. Adam's Family is 91. Wow. Yeah. That, like I said, Misery is another film that my mom and dad made me watch before I went to film school, and uh, yeah, the the ankle scene. Another film very well parodied by the critic. Yeah, uh, <laughs> by my book. Yeah. It's, a, it's a line that I, it's something that I say to myself all the time. <laughs> well, cool, Brandon. Do you have anything else you want to add about Play Misty for me? Um. I don't think so, but I think I might take my girlfriend on a date to the woods. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Just in the rivers and the yeah. you know, yes, I mean the nature. You know, yeah. the greatest place to just get naked and. Yeah, it was uh, very biblical to me. It just yeah. like Adam and Eve. It was just like they're the only two people in the world. You could always just go to the lagoon in the middle of your apartment. <laughs> Maybe that's where we were set. Maybe it was just the living room that we didn't <laughs> yeah, see. Oh yeah, that was just yeah. the side of the living room we never saw. Exactly. It made me want to watch like the Monterey jazz documentaries. Yeah. The Monterey pop documentaries. Yeah. Um, and it made me want to visit Carmel. Yeah. Uh, 
I joke that this is like feels like it was paid for by the you know chamber the Carmel Chamber of Commerce, yeah. but it's a good ad for it, come yeah. visit Carmel. It I don't is. know what Carmel looks like now, but uh, I mean pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just like you said about the the jazz fest and everything like that. Seeing Clint kind of trying like boogie and then stop. And there's a point where he like shimmied into his seat and then he was instantly straight. It was, um, and he was wearing a button that was like where his other buttons were. It wasn't even like whimsically placed. It was just like on his, where his other buttons were. And I was like, come on, man, like at least show a little bit of like color, like a little bit of character. Um, uh, he was, I noticed he was very, very red faced in this movie. He's very, very sunburned. Maybe, I mean, that's Carmel for you. Maybe that's, he's just like. Going to the beach every day. He's like, I fell asleep. That's the the pleasure of being able to make a movie. Yeah. In your, you know, where you live. Yeah, exactly. Just drive five minutes to to set. Yeah. (laughs) Any final thoughts from you, Lewis? Um, I mean, before we go, Brennan, just just promise me one thing. Okay. Just play Misty for me. (laughs) I will. Um, (laughs) But I hope. Dave likes what he sees when he gets here. Because that's what he's taking to hell with him. <laughs> that was a weird line. <laughs> but, I mean... <laughs> I was, like, really hoping she was just gonna, like... Just, like, mutilate the fuck out of her. And then it was just gonna... He was gonna walk in and she was gonna be, like... Limbs akimbo. Yeah. Just and it was just gonna be full-on just horror movie. Yeah. But, but no. Nah. She just caught a hair. Yeah, a little bit, which looked like a wig the whole way through, anyway. Yeah, so (laughs) she cut her wig. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, everybody. Well, until your next religious experience, um, keep watching movies. Um, We'll let you know what we're what we're watching next week, so stay tuned, and uh, and we'll let you know. Um, Try to get back out to the cinemas when you. Feel it's safe and go see some movies. Yeah. And Zach, thank you for being a part of this and, you know, um, taking the time to watch this film with us. It's been it's been awesome having you on. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Pleasure great. being here. Thank you for bringing the Blu-ray. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it looks great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Physical media is still important. <laughs> Kino Lorber. There we go. I just put it out like two years ago or a year ago, so... Sweet. Still readily available. Yeah, is this the fiftieth anniversary? Yeah, it must yeah. be. Yeah, because nineteen seventy-one. It's twenty twenty-one. Folks, I'm a big fan of anniversaries. I like yep. celebrating films. Yeah. Oh, hold on, hold on. All right, we're still we're still on. We're still on. Okay. Cool. Just had an error pop up. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> um. Yeah. I was, I, I was, there was something that had an anniversary this year, and then this thing popped up with an error, and I couldn't remember what it was. It was an error in my brain. Eh. <laughs> All right, folks. Till next week. Say your cinema prayers. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>